What's up everyone? This is Pastor Sam. And this is Danny. And together we're exploring the letter of Colossians. And we are the one, two, punch. Yes sir, knock them out, knock them out, knock them out. That's how we do it. Yeah. Alright, so we gotta knock it out. Verses 5 to 16 from chapter 3. Chapter 3, yep. I think the, I, I just preached the message on verses 1 through uh, 4 there. Uh, there's so much there, you can go back and listen to that message. But uh, today we're unpacking all these verses that um, uh, would be too much to kind of cover on a sermon. So we're covering it today. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I like about this section of the passage, you know, you know, Paul, um, it's an instructive nature, right? It's, an, mm. it's instructive in nature in the sense that, you know, the letter is built on foundational truths. Yes. And that's what we're focusing on in this whole series. We're focusing on truth, and then we're going to talk about how do we live out those truths. This yeah. is a section where we're living out, living the, out truth, the truth, right? Yeah, so just a reminder, if people haven't got that yet, the first two, the first part of this sermon series was locked in on truth, focusing on truth, yep. and then now focus on locked in on how to live that truth out. Yeah, we're living out this truth, and Paul... He, he continues to progress the believer's mind in, in this idea of train of thought about opposition, right? Mm-hmm. What is opposition? Who What is opposition in Christ? Mm-hmm. He talks about the perspective that we're to have. And now he's kind of laying out some, some practical things on what we're to do. And, and, and this idea, like, and I think about it is like how, how to dress for success in a sense, right? Um, we must cleanse ourselves. We must put to death. Our sinful passions, we must put off our sinful practices, and then we must also put off our sinful pride. And, and Paul addresses all of these and more in these section, in this section of verses, starting in verse five. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's uh, and like, let's, do you want to just get into it? And yeah, he yeah. starts with this very uh, directive statement: put to death. Put, put to, to death. death. That means don't let it come back. <laughs> well, I mean, and I think that's it's a very harsh statement, right? Like put to that, like it's a verb, it's aorist, it's active, and it's imperative. So you know what imperative means. You know what a verb means. Aorist means that it's present continuous. So this is not something you do once. This uh, it, it is something that you're doing consistently and you must do. It's an imperative. You must do it right now. Don't put, postpone it. Don't wait for tomorrow. Put to death now. Uh, I remember one time we were uh, fairly new, married, Lauren and I, and we were in our little apartment in, in Rochester, Minnesota. And there was a mice in the house. Rats? Well, mice. <laughs> nice way to thing. nice way to say rats. <laughs> it's a mice. It's still a rat. <laughs> well, rats the big stuff, isn't it? I don't know the difference between a mice and a rat. But I remember Lauren said, "Kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it." So she's jumping on the couch and the thing, and I'm and I'm trying to catch the thing by myself uh, to kill it. Uh, that's more or less what I, like the image that I see here. It's like Paul's like. Put it to death right now. Don't play around with it. Don't don't let it foster. Don't let it be moving around your house. Don't move. Let it move. Be moving around your life. That is, mm-hmm. uh, put it to death. Yeah, basically he's saying like you know there's a standard for holiness, right? Don't don't give in to unholiness in your life. Sure. So put to death that unholy part 
he, he described what it is, right? Yeah. He says what is early in you. And which is, is important. Like Paul, throughout his, all his letters, if it's Romans, Galatians, Corinthians, Ephesians, he has this, he reminds people like, listen, you are, there are two realms working in your life. There is the earthly realm and the spiritual realm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he talks uh, about the heavenly realm. Like, he talks about that when we talk about Ephesians as well, right? He wants it all of our in heavenly places. You're right. The earthly and the spiritual from a heavenly standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, so if we're in verse 5, but in verse 12, it says, put on as God chosen ones, holy. So, like, so there is these two realms, you're saying, the place, the position you're talking about earlier, which I love that, where we find ourselves into it. And those who. Uh, who find themselves in Christ, they do this. They put to death what is earthly in you. And so, um, Paul's like, there's no room for what is not godly in your life. There shouldn't be no, no room for that. And then he goes on and, and use the terms there, right? Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covet, which is greed, uh, which is idolatry. So, these terms have a lot to, they overlap a lot. Yeah, they all come together. They all kind of, they usually come together and they produce that sin of idolatry, which is what he, he identifies, right? The worship of sensuality, sexual gratification, rather than, as opposed to the worship of God. Yeah, the word immorality there has to do with the word pornography, pornea. Uh, and then, uh, so that has to do with the sexual part of it. The impurity uh, has to do I love that. Well, I don't love that word. I like that word meaning like it is an all encompassing word. It has to do with your thoughts, has to do with your words, and has to do with your actions. So the word impurity covers like yeah, it's, those three things. I think of thoughts, like when I, when I think of impurity, I have to think of the word as um, uncleanliness. Mm. Like, like, so this yeah. no longer clean. Sure. That's what I think of. And then the word passion and evil desires. Every time I read these two words, like they're together, they're compounding words uh, for me. And in my studies, I have learned that it's a compounding word that really means out of control. Really means that this is out of control in my life. It's like a yearning. It's like I'm yearning for this. It's like, you know, passions always interplay with the word lust, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're lusting over things. So Mm -hmm. that could be, you know, and and that really falls in line with anything. Anything that you're over... First of all, your passion should be towards Christ, towards sure. God. But if yes. it's across anything, and that's where the idolatry idea kind of comes in that Paul is kind of alluding to. In this. Yeah, so he's like, you have this passion desires that turns out to be greed. With greed is this unsustainable appetite for something. So then when you have this, you're out of control and you have this insane, unsustainable appetite for something outside of what you talk about, which is God, creates this idolatry, this worship of something that is outside of Christ, which is, which is problematic. He he go, he he says here, in these you two once walked when you were living uh, in them, but now you must put them away. And then he so he's so he goes on and says so on account of this, so on verse he says, I misread it. He said, idolatry on account of this, the wrath of God is coming. So he's like this unsustainable this worship of these unsustainable things are the reasons why the wrath of God is coming it is it is around and 
How, how do you deal with that word? The wrath of God. Well, I think of like, you know, the idea behind that, what I think of as a punishment, right? Like, like I feel, always feel like when, when Nate was growing up, I used to be like, you know, don't do this. If you do this, you'll feel my wrath. You'll feel my like, you know. So I always try to think of that like as a way of punishment, right? But, you know, um, they must not be fooled and indulge in these things because um, these type of activities, these type of things are wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and God will punish them on account of this. And we talked about a little bit about how um, there is this newness, right? In order to focus on the new, you have to let go of what's old. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea, um, the idea of sanctification. That I always think of this process, right? We always tell believers that you're in the process of being sanctified, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We all know where we're sanctification, right? And sanctification it involves two components. Okay. First, the negative aspect of sins, right? <clears throat> the negative aspect of sin that are forsaken, mm-hmm. and then the positive aspect of holiness that's pursued. Sure. So oh, I like it's, that. it's the idea of like, I'm leaving this behind and mm-hmm. I'm pursuing this. Yes. And that's what Paul is kind of hinting at here. He's saying, listen, these things that we used to go after, sexual immorality, lust, greed, all those things he mentioned... We're to forsake those things and pursue something else, which is higher. And then he gives yeah. a second set of things that... So he first categorizes the idolatry, but then he gives a second set of, of warnings, I, I believe, in verse... He says you must also first, put aside the... It's different, right? It's yeah. different. Like, in the first one, he's like, kill it. Yes. Here, he's like, you must also put it away. Do you think there's a difference there? Uh, or you think that imperative is following through it? Like he's is you think he's the same? I don't. We don't like to think about the Greeks because that's not what I'm <laughs> no, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like it seems like the first one is put. That's very harsh, and then the second one is like you must also put them away. Put it away is different than killing it. Well, the the way I see the breakdown of those two sections is the first group of they're all sin, right? Let's let's first cover they're all sin, all sins, and all sins do what? It pulls us away further from God. It keeps us. We miss the mark, right? Sure. Um, the first group that he groups, it, it brings harm and offense to ourselves, I believe, to our own self, okay, like um, to our own body. Mm-hmm. And the next set, it brings harms to others. So I believe that how I'm reading that is like he's saying, hey, this is harmful to you personally on a personal level. So put to death that. And these are the things you also need to kind of put to death because they're harmful to others. Mm-hmm. Like anger, the boiling of our emotions, allowing ourselves to be stirred by negative feelings towards others. Mm-hmm. Wrath is a stronger form of anger, right? Where the emotions threaten to boil over. And then malice, uh, where we're mean, whether we're, if we don't check those, those, those type of behaviors in our life. And then we get, from malice, we go to slander. We start slandering people. We start... You know, we're speaking against someone, and then we get the abusive speech, uh, which he covers as like, is this abusive language? So it's this constant attitude, along with verse 5, this makes a list of 10 things to kind of pursue this idea mm-hmm. of holy living. You have five things above that kind of connects to the personal in nature, yeah. and then the other five connects to towards others in nature. All of, all of them needs to be put aside in that process of sanctification I talk about where we're the negative aspect of our lives, we need to forsake and we need to pursue the things that will help us to be more close to God, more close to Christ, uh, more close as we continue to grow in our, 
in a holiness, right? So you're so I, I love that. So you separating between things here between relationship with self and with others, but both in relation to God. Both in relation to God, because so, they both pull us. They, that's that process. That's that that we have to forsake those things because sure, these sure, things yeah. are sins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're sin in our lives if we don't check them. Yeah, I I, I I agree with you on that. I mean, I don't I, I don't have nothing else to add to other than if you want to pick on what they are and how they, you know. I mean, I think of words of this. I love that concept you said. Some of them hurt us, you know. So just, just to talk about that. When you have passions and evil desires that are out of control in your lives, I think about the word addiction, right? Mm-hmm. You are addicted. And that addiction is really destroy you. Destroy your health, destroy your mental health, destroy your physical health. Then, res- and then because of that destruction, destroy your relationships. And then when it comes to, for example, slander, right? When you're just bad mouthing someone just because you can uh, say those words out that hurts people. We were talking about this the other day, I believe. Uh, I was, uh, I said that uh, uh, words are like seeds. Once they're out. They are planted and then they will grow. Uh, so, you know, slender is like those is those bad seeds that you know, you, uh, malice too. Those two together, man, they destroy people's lives. That's where you see people who doesn't have confidence. People who doesn't have self-worth. is because someone professed towards them words of malice, the words of, 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 of slender that destroy their self-esteem. So you're destroying people. Right? So, uh, both bring destruction. Different aspect, but both hurts the heart of God. Because one, you you hurting God because you're destroying yourself. The other one, you're hurting the heart of God because you're destroying other people. Yeah, and, and now one of the things, you, not only is you are you hurting yourself, but you're, you're undermining the unity in the body of Christ when you do oh. those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Paul seems to be focused on this as he... As he follows the list with the, with a collective prohibition, where he says, "Do not lie to one another." Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So verse nine, he talks about that. Yeah. It, on, it only fits with the list of verbal vices, but also seems to be a direct reference to false to teachers that sure. happening in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know one of the things that we also need to understand what you mentioned with slander and malice is that not only is it seen as a negative thing how you hurt someone personally but how you hurt the body as a community as well and you this unity is is we don't want that in the church yeah and 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 i like you know we have talked about this some other times uh the bible is written for who for the church Mm -hmm. for for god's people this is a family code of conduct right this is for us it's for us how do we relate uh to one another and how to relate to the world for sure too for sure but it's primarily applicable to our relationships within the body. And then he goes on and says, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarous thing, slave, free, but is all, Christ is all and in all. He's trying to, I think it's maybe trying to, I'm trying to strengthen your point here. This is like, it is about the body of Christ. We are all in Christ. Mm-hmm. We are all laid up before us. Is as you received Christ, as you walk in Christ, you know, as you are in Christ, uh, uh, it is important that you understand that this process here, uh, 
can, cannot take place when you're living in Christ because Christ is in, in, in all. There's yeah. no division within the body. I mean, all those things you, you mentioned there are... They're, they're, they're using the text to kind of show these polar opposites or polar de, device, decisive, divisiveness. I can't mm-hmm. say the word, divisiveness. On uh, our culture, and even some people in the church, we draw invisible lines. Oh. And we build invisible walls, mm-hmm. right? On ethnic, social, economic factors, whatever the list may go on, right? Say that again. Say that about the lines. <laughs> we want have invisible lines and I mean, invisible walls. Our, what is it that you say? Our, go ahead. I mean, our culture, we, we draw invisible lines. And even some in the church, we draw invisible lines. We build invisible walls. Uh, things that are barriers that we put up that God said is not there yeah. to keep others out, to, 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 to hold them back from what God has for them. And as a result of that, the church has suffered from that, right? This verse tells us here that there is no walls. There is no line. Everyone is one. In, and he says, all in Christ. What and, about the line of, I'm better than you because I <laughs> live a better Christian life than you do? I don't know. Find me that in the Bible. <laughs> well, I'm holy and you're not. <laughs> but but who standards? Who, who's the judge? Well, I'm with you. See, that's but, the problem. But we create all these kind of lines, right? Like, uh, I have a better marriage than you, so I create that line there. There is a line where there is better marriage than worse marriage. Uh, uh, there is a line of uh, uh, better. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't drink and you drink. I'm better, or I don't know. I don't. I mean, I'm trying to create here. There is also always. I'm trying to create that to put into words what those invisible lines we create. Yeah. Is. Uh, someone the other day was picking on me. I, I want to. Should I say it this way? I went to a specific meeting, and in there, somebody was making fun of me because I wear holy pants to preach. <laughs> and he doesn't. Mm. It puts you in perspective what kind of meeting I was. And yeah. I was like, well, I guess you're a better pastor than I am. Mm-hmm. So be it. I'm okay with it. Invi- invisible lines. Yeah, I mean... That, that is not... Maybe it goes back to chapter 2, a sermon that I preached uh, a couple of weeks back about... Uh, uh, we are being captive by philosophy of empty deceits that are according to human tradition, invisible lines that humans create, not according to Christ, because what matters to Christ is what should matter to us. Mm-hmm. Not, not, a, not what matters to people, necessarily. And what matters to people should be what matters to Christ, mm-hmm. not personal opinions about specific subjects. Yeah, I was in my. I was reading. I was thinking about it as I came across this quote. It says, "The beauty of the body of Christ is found in its cohesive unity, with its blended diversity. Mm-hmm. And divisive pride not only causes division among God's people, it ultimately hinders our individual and collective spiritual growth, and impedes us on our spiritual mission, mm-hmm. which is to go and be the light, to go and teach others about Christ. When we do all these things that we just talk about." We're impeding that. We're putting that before the mission that God has called us to, which is to go. Yes. To, to grow in our spiritual in our spiritual walk and our nature. And as a result, we divide the body of Christ and that we can't experience anything full if it's divided. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, it's a, it's it's critical Paul's talking about here. We gotta unpack what he's trying to talk about. He says you know, his, the father is unifying his children. Who are you to separate them? That, mm. Who are you to say, you you can come or you can't come or you go stay here? 
That's what God is doing. He's uniting his church. He's uniting mankind. And, and the more and more we elevate ourselves, we, we devalue others. The more that we, we think of ourselves as highly as others or we think we're better. Well, well, the reason why we divide people is to attack them, isn't it? And the world the world does a good job of that. The church should not be doing that. Well, but I think that's why in the church there is some divisions there. And I think you exact I think what you're saying is exact God is trying to bring it together, but because we yeah, I don't know. I just when you said that God is bringing it together and I, and I, I when I said I think about division, we are trying to divide specific different things so we can attack them, so that we can judge them, so we can put a finger in them. And I think that's inappropriate. Uh, and we see that in the in the Bible all the time. And I don't want it to take away from what you said. I need you to repeat that again. Repeat that quote again that you're reading because reading because oh. I think that's important. I just felt like yeah. As you're saying that, I was like, oh man, we, the reason why the church divided each other is to attack each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then God is bringing it together. Why are we doing this? I don't know, man. We need to go back to. Go back to the basics, to the foundational truths. That's why we're talking about it, right? That is. This is the truth. This and how is, we live that truth is, out. We want to live it out. And how we live it out, we got to break down those those barriers, those walls, those lines that we may have drawn, whether unconsciously or consciously. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing, too, as well. You may not even realize that some of, the some of those lines are there, but you have to assess and say, how, how am I? Am I open to, to, to what God has for me? Or am sure. I saying, you know... I'm not gonna go past this this boundary right here. that I have created. Here, here's my boundary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so but, verse twelve. Let's move on. Move on. Verse twelve. I love what you said there. Verse twelve. But put then as God chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion hearts. Does it follow the same kind of idea you shared earlier? Some is for you, some is for others. But both in relation to God. Is the rest of this passage follows that same line of 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 thought i i mean i i think so you know mm-hmm. you, you put on then as god chosen ones that's that's an individual thing right sure i have to put on what god has for me specifically that puts I, your position what that's you're my saying position, earlier, yeah. your position i'm holy i'm beloved that's that's a thing that, that that's a god thing to me we have to be holy means to be separate god mm-hmm. god had to separate us he wants to separate us from from those who are unholy, those who are holy, but everyone is, because of Jesus, everyone's able to to become. Yeah, the word holy is to be set apart. We have yeah. said this many other times. People, most people in the podcast probably know this. But so the unholy means that they don't understand their lives with a purpose towards what God, mm-hmm. what God has pr- purpose for them. So unholy means doesn't mean evil. It just means that you are outside of God's will and you are okay with being that. Holy means that you understand that you have been inside, set aside for God and your purpose in life is to please the heart of God. Unholy means the opposite of that. So uh, so it doesn't mean you're bad or evil. It just doesn't mean that you're not living according to God's will, which automatically puts you outside of God's plan for creation, for His kingdom, uh, which there is eternal consequences for that. Uh, and, you know, the list goes on. Beloved, compassionate. Hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And there it goes again, right? So if the first one kind of um, put you in odds with the people, here Paul says, get back into that relationship of unity. Get back to that relationship where you are, what you're doing, how you're living, is actually complementing and benefiting those around you. 
Yeah, I, I like one of the things I really like on the verse that starts off was this put on, mm. right? Mm. Put on, it suggests that this is not a natural thing. It, it is. It doesn't come naturally to us. We have to make an effort. We have to make an effort. To, it must be an act of our will mm. to, to do these things, mm. right? A lot of people think, a lot. there's a lot of um, confusion in that, you know, once you once you once you come into Christ, once you've made that decision, overnight you become this person, compassionate, mm-hmm. kind. You have the potential to be because of the power living in you through the Holy sure. Spirit. Sure. Right? But you have to make a concerted effort each and every day for that life transformation. That's why Paul says you put on. I think we, we can't take we can't ignore that word right there. He says no. put on, right? But, but in the same way the put to death was an imperative, this in the Greek yeah. is an imperative. It's not negotiable. It's not like it's not like something that is your an alternative for you. It, it is a must. You gotta do it. It's an imperative. So uh, it it is to be imparted with clothes. So um, it is to clothe yourself, and 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 I love that idea uh, of being clothed uh, because it really means that uh, you have this uh, these new things of God to you that ought to mold and be what people sees, mold your life and what people sees from you, right? Mm-hmm. Clothing is yeah. the first thing someone sees in you, right? Isn't it? Your yep. shirt, your pants, like. So it should be the first thing that people see in you, your clothing. So that put on, it is means to be imparted with clothes, to be clothed. Yeah, I think um, Paul identifies five virtues that characterizes lives of Christ followers in these words. With in compassion, he describes having heartfelt mercy towards others mm-hmm. uh, that reflects Jesus' concern for people who are hurting. You know, Matthew nine thirty six tells us that. Then he talks about kindness. Kindness mm-hmm. is a disposition. It is it is it is a thoughtful and, and considered way that we demonstrate through our acts of benevolence, often to people who do not deserve it. Right? That is that that is a hard one for a lot of people because we try to look at people and say, Well, do they deserve it? That's not what kindness is about. Kindness is is just being that it's it's a it's a it's a place, it's a way that you are, regardless of what you can get from the other person. It's about just being kind. One, one on the Greek dictionary, when you click on that word kindness, it says it is the grace which permeates the whole nature of the individual. Mm-hmm. Like, so uh, is that, I think it goes with what I say, it's something that you give without expecting nothing in return uh, in many ways. I, I love that you said that there. But then he goes and talks about uh, two other words that is so... Uh, debate, debate, <laughs> humility? humility, debate in the Christian circle, humility and meekness, yeah. right? Like, uh, you, you know, Philippians chapter 2, uh, 5 to 11 talks so much about humility, right? Uh, this idea of humbling oneself. Um, it, it is so important to, to, to be humble. Um, and many have been said about that. Jesus is the humble servant. Right, he. That's how he came. He came to serve, and humility is part of that. I, I really didn't want to go more that talk more about that as much as the word meekness, mm-hmm. because the word meekness, uh, in many people's minds, means means what weakness. Yeah, and so when you hear that people are supposed to be <clears throat> meek, um, 
they 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 hear the word doormat. Yeah, and and sometimes we have Christ has been compared to that, right? He was meek mm-hmm. in Second Corinthians ten, and then Jesus Himself used to describe Himself in Matthew eleven mm-hmm. as about meek. Um, but you're right. If people have that idea of thinking that you you're just a step, you're just a, a pushover. Yeah, as a pushover. That's exactly yeah. what it is. And, and meek means someone who mild and have self control completely. That's what my understandings are. Someone who is who is has completely self control in a situation and understand the context in which things ought to take place. So he's a mild person, someone who who is neither like who is not out of temper all the time and you know and full of emotion a lot of emotion to control them completely but at the same time is not someone who well is is not up and down with emotion it's someone who is balanced who is able to discuss to forbear with other people and and soothe the situation and act feeding to the situation uh, and they is soft not soft into uh, being taken advantage of, but soft and tender in how he act upon specific situations. Does that make sense? What I'm saying. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. Basically, you don't want. To, I mean, a, a meek person is a person who's not self-willed. Yeah. They're not self-willed. They're not necessarily designed their own way. Mm. But that doesn't mean that you get to walk all over them, right? There's a difference. Yes. And um, I think, you know, it, it's to get to that level of being meek. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why he mentions that all the way down there, right? First, mm-hmm. you got to be compassionate, kind, kind humble, and, mm-hmm. and now you can be meek. And then he talks about this thing that no one likes to talk about. It's being patient. Patience. I mean, patience. Um, <laughs> the willingness to put up with suffering or trials without losing faith, love, joy, and confidence. I, I mean, put, apply that to the, in, the, in the context of relationship. Putting up with people without what? <laughs> without losing faith, love, well, joy, and confidence. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's exactly where it should be applied to. Patience should be applied to relationship. I know patience should be applied to situations and circumstances for sure. But we the place that we need more patience at is to what? People around us. How we deal with people. Most of our situations surrounded by relationship with people, which the rest of the verse bearing with one another. Oh, it, it all builds on that. It does. <laughs> it says, "Hey, you're gonna have to have patience. You're gonna have to bear with people. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They're gonna disappoint you. So you're gonna have to forgive them." That's exactly. <laughs> that is that is exactly what Paul is saying. It goes back to what you're saying earlier about God is trying to unite people mm-hmm. and trying to bring people together. But people in the church are trying to divide each other. We gotta stop the division. The only way you can't stop the division is if you apply these characteristics that you mentioned mm-hmm. in your life, and it all ends up with this idea of forgiving, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. I was teaching chapel the other day uh, here at DCA, and the, what we were teaching on the chapel is the Jesus seven words on the cross, the last seven words on the cross. And uh, the first Jesus seven words, the first one is, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He addresses God and he says, forgive them. Mm-hmm. And the only way to gain new life is to forgive. The only way to... that That's why we have new life in Jesus, because we have been forgiven by God Himself. So, uh, forgiveness is such an important word, but you can't forgive 
if you don't understand what God has already do, done for you. And I think that's what he's bringing up here. Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Forgiveness is an act of God towards us that must be extended towards the life of the others, of all the people around us. And of course, we have said many times before, forgiveness does not mean just take it, forget <laughs> about it. No, forgiveness comes with some good strategy to keep the proprietor of, from the proprietor of the offense to keep doing it, but at the same time release that, that person from you so that you're not holding grudge. Forgiveness has a lot to do with you uh, and your future, your healing than with the person itself. Yeah, I, I mean, I think all those things you say is, is exactly the approach and the heart we should have when it comes to forgiveness. And we touched a little bit on forgiveness in our last podcast as well. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we talked a little bit more in depth in there about about forgiveness. Uh, and then Paul, I like how Paul kind of ends this, this list section of through verse 15, right? Where he says like, above all these things, mm -hmm. Which we've heard him talk about too as well in other letters as well. Mm -hmm. He says, put on love. Yes. Because love is what binds everything together in, in perfect harmony. Yes. Um, you know, too many times we, we try to do all these other things, but we don't put on love. You know, and we don't we don't hold on to that last part because at the end of it all, he's, love is the glue that holds it all together. You know, Paul is saying like love is is that crowning glory of all of this. Mm -hmm. It is it is beyond the individual things that we just listed. It is the fulfillment of them. Wow. It is the fulfillment of all of them coming together. Because when you do all those things together, you love. That's how you love. You bear with one another. You forgive. Mm -hmm. You're meek. You're humble. You're kind. Yeah. And, and all those things, when he puts the put on love, all those things, I mean, has this idea of self-sacrifice, right? All those things, when you're being kind, when you're being compassionate, you're giving of yourself to somebody else, to better someone else, for the betterment, for the well-being of somebody else. And, and forgiveness is the, is the same in that way. And so when he does that, he's like, Harmony, perfect harmony, uh, comes to us uh, when we understand that we ought to give of ourselves for those around us. And, and I love that. I love that aspect of it in my mind. I love that aspect of it. So Paul is saying, put on this as God, as God chosen people. Put on as, mm -hmm. God so, as God's uh, chosen people. Self-sacrifice. So that other people will benefit from your living. Yeah, I mean, love is like the capstone virtue, right? Mm -hmm. It's the capstone virtue because you know what love is? Love is the evidence of your salvation. It is the testimony of the gospel. Amen. Right? It expresses all love for God and, and his response and his love for us. It, it, it epitomizes the character of God and ultimately fulfills his love. God's love for us. And all love for one another is the perfect bond of unity that weds us together and blends all of these other virtues that we spoke about in complete harmony and complete peace that he was talking about. Yeah. And then he goes on, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, that which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. I mean, uh, this oneness, this peace, 
can only come when you understand that you have been called to be part of one another in that context. I like that. And then he goes on and says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. Let's finish this podcast, spend some time on 16 here. Mm -hmm. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I mean, those words are like... <laughs> that's like... Dwell means to live. Yeah. I mean, a heart that is thankful ultimately expresses itself. Right? Mm -hmm. A heart that is thankful, uh, it expresses itself. And uh, this peaceful assurance in Christ should lead to expressions of thanks towards others. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know, we should not... If I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's that's all I can think of. It's like, if what you have in Christ should be expressed towards others. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and I don't know how else you'd live that life. How else would you live a Christian life? I, I don't think there is a way of doing that else, you know... Uh, you know the word thankfulness or, or it comes from the the root of the word is kara, which is grace, right? So uh, it is an expression of God's grace towards you, towards other people, right? So um, I don't know what else to add to that. I, I mean, I don't know. I think you you do a good job there. And and so the, the allowing. The word of God to dwell in you, rich to live in you, rich is the expression of this love, is the expression of this gratefulness, is the expression of all these things we have been talking about in one's life, uh, for sure. But you can only get those expressions being demonstrated in your life if you allow the word of God to teach you. Yeah, we have to submit ourselves to him through prayer, through his word, through his supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Mm -hmm. And when we do those things... We will have the proper perspective, the proper perspective and how we're to be thankful. Sure. What you're talking about, how to be thankful and, and a heart filled with gratitude can be thankful for all things, in all things and in all circumstances, no matter the situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we have a thankful heart because situ situationally things are going good in my life. When the way I want but, but if yeah. things are not going good, all of a sudden my heart becomes begrudging and I become, um, you know, what's the opposite of thankful? I don't know, complaining, ungrateful. Ungrateful, yeah, yeah, ungrateful. You become ungrateful for the things that you have. And mm -hmm. so we we're on this yo-yo with God. Like, you know, like... Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like up and down, up and down, yeah, up and down, yeah, up and yeah. down. God, and God just wants to see some some consistency. consistency. And um, and that's why that when you, you started that, the part of that verse says, the word of Christ dwell in you, right? It says that the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and praise and spiritual hymns with thankfulness. I think there's there's an important there. Uh, this word admonishing. What is the, what is the what is that what does that word translate to? The uh, the word admonishing. Yeah. Oh wow! You caught me by surprise here. I was I was I was going to ask uh, to really say that the word uh, for richly is abundantly, mm -hmm. um, but not only abundantly, is also largely. Uh, and what I think I like the best about that word, uh, uh, richly, is that it means distinctively. 
Distinctive. Is it like a distinct? We can't, it's we can't even like say the word. Distinctively. Distinctive. Distinctive. Yeah, distinct. So like, it, it should be apparent. Like people yeah. should see it, right? So, anyways, the word uh, admonish it means to uh, to uh, warn. Is to bring a warning. To exhort. Uh, to do what your mom always did and my mom always did. To say, boy, if you do that, you're gonna get a spanking. <laughs> so it, it is to exhort uh, someone. It's to it's to uh, to point out uh, the possible uh, punishment. It's to indicate duties and obligation. Uh, it's to express a warning of disapproval. To um, that, that's what it is there. It's, it serves also as an advice and encouragement in specifically in, in this specific context. Yeah. yeah, so I think in this whole section, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add on this, this no. last verse. I think this whole section is a really good, it's a good section to kind of take a look and, and look at the practicality as Paul has given us some practical things that we're to, to look at in our own lives, right? How are we, how are we put into that, those things that is hindering us from our walk and how are we putting on the things that would help us progress and pursue and that, and, and and what i was adding to that not adding but like just to affirm that is to say this is a self-assessment passage for me mm-hmm. are you putting to that and to death some things and are you putting on other things uh because one thing it seems clear here there must be no empty space if you put something to that, if you're not put into death, whatever those things are that you're supposed to, they're leaving. Yeah. Paul's like, gotta put it to death. And then you're to replace those things with some other things. So there's no empty. Yeah. So if you're not put into death, then those things are leaving. And if you're put into death, it's because you ought to put some yeah. new things on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like find and replace. Like, you know, Definitely. it's like you want to replace this bad habit with a good habit, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Um, it's char- characters here for sure. What yeah. would you? So yeah, it's a self-assessment thing. Yeah. Um, for me. Yeah. yeah, that's all I have here. Yeah, that's that's what that's what this section is about. I mean, that's what this 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 chapter is kind of helping us. This whole chapter, even the beginning, talks about how we're to put on on yourself. So hopefully mm-hmm. you uh, you you've gotten something that's able to kind of go back and be relatable to you. Yeah, and... relate to it. And, you know, um, outside of that. You know, the, the beauty of the body of Christ is found in, in the cohesiveness, unity, with blended diversity. So no more divisiveness. Amen. Tear down those invisible those lines. Invisible lines and invisible walls. Those things. I like go. that, bro. <laughs> and as we always say before we sign off, be blessed. Have a great week. Thank you, guys.